Because strong, stable communities starts with the health of its individuals. Because access to mental health support should be available to everyone. Because recreation helps us become healthier and connect socially. Today on Because Radio, the Life-Saving Society of Manitoba shares how you can enjoy a safe and fun summer on or near the water. Motion Ball builds community, encourages teamwork, and raises funds in support of Special Olympics Manitoba through its Marathon of Sport event. We visit the Winkler Heritage Museum on a road trip. This week's Winnipeg Impact Maker, Fit Communications, is helping to empower girls through sport. And we'll have a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect, featuring Lynn Scrumita, Executive Director of the Winnipeg Folk Festival. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio, episode number 11. My name is Robert Zirk. And I'm Sunny Promolo. Hope everyone had a, a wonderful long weekend this past weekend. Sunny, how are you doing? Doing great. I actually spent my uh, long weekend at the cabin. What about yourself? Great. And I did the same, actually. It's nice to get away for a little bit uh, and just really enjoy nature. We had such a beautiful weekend with lots of sunshine so it was uh, it was a nice little getaway for sure absolutely and of course happy canada canada day to you and to all our listeners absolutely and a happy fourth of july to uh those of our listeners uh down south in the u.s uh with today being july 4th if you're listening on the thursday we've got a full show today so we'll just get pretty much right to it And to start off, uh, today's foundation feature focuses on health, wellness, and recreation. We're in the midst of National Fishing Week right now, and for some, that means heading out to the lake and taking the boat out to find that perfect spot to fish from. But whether you are fishing, or whether you're swimming, boating, or anything in between, it's important to keep water safety at the forefront. And so, with National Drowning Prevention Week coming up in a few weeks, I spoke with Dr. Christopher Love, who is the Water Smart Coordinator with the Life-Saving Society of Manitoba, last week to learn a little bit more about their work in the community and what Manitobans should be aware of to ensure a safe and fun summer. This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on health, wellness, and recreation. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined in studio by Dr. Christopher Love. He is the Water Smart Coordinator with the Life Saving Society of Manitoba. Christopher, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Not a problem. We appreciate the opportunity. It's been a busy time, I understand, for the society, and one of the most recent events was the release of the Manitoba Drowning Report. What are some some key facts and figures about the report that uh, that Manitobans should be more aware of? First thing is, unfortunately, our our number of drowning deaths is still too high, in our opinion. We're looking at uh, approximately 24, 25 drowning deaths per year on average. And that might seem like a small number, but when you think about it, all of those deaths impact family, friends, etc. There's impact on the healthcare system and everything. Uh, all of those grow further outwards. And so it's, it's much bigger than it might seem initially. Uh, another thing we continue to see in the report uh, this year and in previous years is uh, lack of use of life jackets. 
so, you know, the first week of July uh, is National Fishing Week here in the country. In collaboration with the uh, Canadian Safe Boating Council, we've really been pushing the Hooked on Life Jackets campaign. But it's not just for that week. It's for any time during the summer. You're in Uh, on around the water Uh, if you're not a good swimmer if you're out fishing you're in the boat you need to be wearing your life jacket or pfd because it's going to be too late afterwards to try and grab it Uh, it could be floating one direction while you're going another could have gone down with the boat depending upon what type of incident you're involved in and another big trend that we're unfortunately continuing to see uh, is a lack of supervision of small children. So for the five-year average of 2012 to 2016, where we were able to verify data, we know that in 95% of cases where there was a child fatality, so under the age of 18 uh, due to drowning, uh, in 95% of those cases, adults were either absent or they were present but distracted, so not focusing on the child. Uh, and and from our point of view, you know, wearing the life jacket and providing that adult supervision, those are really easy things to do that would help really decrease the death rate that we're seeing for drowning deaths in the province. Absolutely. And I would imagine even if you are a good swimmer, the shock of being in a situation where, you know, something happens might might throw you off so it's a good idea to just always be prepared and, and always be wearing your, it, it, no exactly ex- exactly you're right the, the shock of being in a situation especially if you get injured uh the other thing people have to be aware of is cold water shock um although we are getting warmer days thankfully here in manitoba now um all, many of our lakes and rivers they're still what we would consider cold water the air temperature may be 30 degrees celsius but the water temperature it may still be hovering down 15 20 degrees celsius and when you go into that you're gonna have a reaction you're gonna gasp and if your face happens to be below the water when you do that involuntary gasping action you can be swallowing water getting water into your lungs more importantly that can start a drowning incident Uh, or if you do keep your head up and you are able to swim well that's great uh, but that colder water in comparison to the air temperature eventually it's going to sap the strength from your muscles so you're not going to be able to swim and if you were out boating and you're like three, four, five kilometers from shore, you're probably not going to be able to make it. But if you're able to float because you're wearing that life jacket, somebody else can come along and pick you out of the water while you're still floating. With the summer months and people being a little bit more uh, more active in terms of uh, going out and swimming or boating, taking advantage of all the beautiful lakes in Manitoba, the National Drowning Prevention Week is the third week in July, and I understand there's a pretty significant reason as to why it's that specific week. Tell us yeah, more about that. Yeah, so the third full week of July every year, the Society uh, announces it, dubs it, uh, recognizes it as National Drowning Prevention Week. Uh, and so this year, it's the 21st to the 27th of July. And basically, we know that July every year is the month where we see the largest number of drowning fatalities in Canada. And it's specifically around the end of the month, around that third week, is usually where we tend to see the largest number of drowning deaths across the country. Uh, And so because we know that's a very high risk time for the population across the country, uh, we really want to call attention to the fact that you really need to be safe around the water. So reinforcing those messages I've already mentioned, but yeah, we'll spend the entire week. We'll be doing media interviews. We're going to be doing public uh, education events around the province and throughout the country, of course, with our branches in other provinces. Uh, And getting the message out to people like, yeah, think about safety. We want you to have a good time. I totally understand. Our summer is way too short as it is. uh, And people really want to get out. They really want to have fun. 
I sympathize. I understand. I want to do that too. Uh, but save the party till after you're off the water. You know, alcohol, drug involvement, uh, intoxication events uh, are another big factor that go into our drowning deaths. And the numbers fluctuate from year to year. But generally speaking, we're going to see 30 to 40% of all of our drowning deaths across the country involve some form of intoxication on an annual basis. Uh, And here in Manitoba, unfortunately, we tend to go above that national average. uh, And we've had years where up to 80% of our drowning deaths have been uh, intoxication involved, so alcohol involved. Uh, And that's not a good statistic for us. We don't want to be beating that national average. We want to try and come below it if we can. Definitely. And I understand that this year there's also a a big focus on backyard pool safety as well. Yeah, one of the media events we will be doing will be focusing on backyard pools. Um, Thankfully, it's not a huge issue here in this province compared to some other provinces, but we want to be proactive. We want to get people thinking because we know... Uh, at least anecdotally, uh, that more and more backyard pools seem to be going in because people want to have that luxury. They want to be able to use that. And and that's a great thing to do, but we want people to be safe when they're using them. So certainly uh, keep paying attention. We'll be sending out more news about that as we get closer to National Drowning Prevention Week. Uh, But yeah, we want people to be thinking, uh, do you have a proper fence? Do you have the appropriate safety equipment for the size of your backyard pool? Uh, Are you limiting access for small children? Those are some of the key things we'll be focusing even more on. With the weekend up ahead, I'm sure many of our listeners, if not this weekend, a future weekend perhaps, have plans to go out to the lake and enjoy their time there. What are some of the top tips that you would have for people um, just in terms of safety and, and prevention? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably repeat myself a little bit. Big key things we see. Uh, wearing your life jacket or PFD when it is appropriate, when it's appropriate to do so, which generally means if you're out in a boat, you should be wearing it. Yes, legally speaking, according to Transport Canada, you just have to have it in the boat and an appropriate size for you, unless it's an inflatable, in which case you must wear it. But, you know, our blanket advice is wear it all the time. You're in the boat, you wear it. You're out on the kayak or the stand-up paddleboard, you're wearing it. Uh, It's going to keep you safer there. Uh, If you are going out on the water, again, stay sober, okay? Boat sober, swim sober, stay sober. If you're supervising young children, we use the stay within arm's reach rule. That is, you can grab them, they can grab you. And that should be like all small children, basically under age six, Uh, And any older children, if they are weak or non-swimmers, you need to be in the water with them. So again, there's assistance there. Uh, To add to that layer of protection, of course, for those young swimmers and those weaker swimmers, go back to point number one, wear a life jacket. It's going to help you stay safe. Uh, and, And final one I would say for the basic safety points is don't go out alone. If you are out there with a friend, you're out there with a buddy, you've got someone who can help you if you get into distress, or if they get into distress, you're able to help them. Again, we see across the country, and especially here in Manitoba, year after year, uh, there's an unfortunate number of individuals who are alone when they become a statistic. And we want to avoid those tragedies. So, you know, take your friend, take your family member, and not only take them with you, tell someone back on land. This is where we're going. This is when we're going to be back. Some simple things, but you know what? Those all can make such a huge difference at the end of the day. Exactly. They can be the difference between a tragedy and a nice return round trip. 
Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off for today? Biggest thing I want to say is I want everybody to have a great summer. We at the Society want everybody to have fun. Uh, but we also want you to make sure you make every trip a round trip. So be thinking safety. A little bit of pre-planning uh, can make all the difference for a nice, safe, round return trip at the end of the day. Absolutely. So if any of our listeners would like to learn more about the work of the Life Saving Society, um, or if they'd like information on on the uh, the Drowning Report or any of the activities surrounding what you do, where can people go to uh, to learn more information? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're always welcoming more contact, more people with interest. Our website is pretty much the hub. So lifesaving.mb, as in Manitoba, .ca uh, is the key place. If you don't remember that, just do a Google search for Life Saving Society Manitoba. We'll pop up there. We'll pop up on Facebook. We'll pop up on Instagram. We'll pop up on Twitter. Uh, you can follow all of those or call our offices, 204-956-2124. And uh, you can get more information directly from us at the office. Dr. Christopher Love is the Water Smart Coordinator with the Life Saving Society of Manitoba. Dr. Love, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Robert. Up next, we'll be joined by Whitney Boiteau of Motion Ball Winnipeg to learn about the Marathon of Sport, a fun day of competitions and activities where participants team up with Special Olympics Manitoba athletes while also raising money for Special Olympics Manitoba. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined in studio by Whitney Boiteau. She is the Director of Marketing and Media with Motion Ball Winnipeg. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having us in today. So first of all, I wanted to ask you about Motion Ball in general, the organization. Tell us a little bit about what Motion Ball is and what it does. Absolutely. So I'm involved with Motion Ball Winnipeg. We are the local chapter of a national not-for-profit in support of Special Olympics Manitoba. Our mandate really is to introduce the Special Olympics movement through education and social and sporting interactive events to young professionals. So it's not just about raising funds. We really want to celebrate the diversity and inclusivity. So it's a, it's about getting people involved and engaged and, and not just money, basically, but exactly. also making sure that people have an active engagement in what they're, what they're raising money for. That's exactly what it is, Rob. And one of the unique parts of Motion Ball is that we marry the donors to the people who are directly impacted by their fundraising efforts. That's great. So tell me a bit about how you got involved with Motion Ball Winnipeg. Yeah, I first got involved with Motion Ball Winnipeg in 2017. A former colleague of mine was actually on the board and still is, and she mentioned that she was going to this marathon of sport event. I'd heard of Motion Ball, but really didn't know what it entailed at all. Once she explained it to me and mentioned that it's all for Special Olympics, which is a cause really near and dear to my heart, I had to go. So it was the week before the Marathon of Sport event. I signed up, fundraised, went, and as soon as I was there, I knew I needed to be more involved. So last year was my first year on the board. 
tell me a little bit about how Motion Ball Winnipeg raises funds for Special Olympics and, and why Special Olympics was chosen as the charity to raise money for. Absolutely. So our main fundraising initiative is the Marathon of Sport, which is held every fall. This year will be on September 15th. But we chose Special Olympics because they are a global grassroots movement that brings together community programs and athletic competitions for children, youth, and adults all living with intellectual disabilities. Right now, 2% of Canadians have an intellectual disability, and there are 47,000 Special Olympic athletes here in Canada. That 47,000 only represents 10% of the 2% that have intellectual disabilities. So we really want to grow that movement and let people who have these intellectual disabilities feel empowered and really introduce them into the community. Do you have the numbers for how many athletes there are in Manitoba? Yeah, there are just over 1,800 athletes here in Manitoba. Okay. So you mentioned the Marathon of Sport is coming up in September. Tell us a little bit about the event and and all of the events that are within that Marathon of Sport. Yes, so the Marathon of Sport, this will be our seventh year hosting it. It is a fun-filled day of athletic competition where teams compete in sports and activities alongside local Special Olympic athletes. So teams are comprised of seven to ten co-ed players, and every team has minimum one to two Special Olympic athletes. You'll be playing sports such as bocce, soccer, floor hockey, like football, and those are just a few to name. And it's a day of dancing, celebrating. The athletes are there, and they really get to shine and show you their skills, which is incredible. That's great. Sounds like a really fun day. What does an event like this mean to the people that participate in the event? Well, there's two sides of the participants. So you have the participants who are fundraising, and they're the donors. And they may not have grown up near people with intellectual disabilities, Whereas I have an uncle who's been a Special Olympic athlete, so I'm very used to it. So this is an opportunity for them to realize they are just like us. They are people. We want to treat them the same way. They are incredible at their sports. They are proud of it. And then on the flip side, you have the Special Olympic athletes, and they want to connect with everyone as well. That's great. It's really just about making friends. That's awesome. How many people take part in the marathon of sport every year here in Winnipeg? Here in Winnipeg, we'll have over 600 participants. Last year, we had 52 teams, and this year we are having a goal of having 60 teams. So we had 64 Special Olympic athletes last year, and we'll be growing them again this year as well. That's great. So if any of our listeners would like to take part in this year's uh, Marathon of Sport, how can they register and how can they get a team together to uh, to take part? Absolutely. So there are three ways that they could, well, four ways, let me say that, that they could be involved. They could do a standard team. So they can either be a captain of a team and round up a group of friends Or if you can't get a team together, you can register as a free agent and we will make a team for you. It's really as easy and simple as that. If that is something that interests you, they can go to our website, which is motionball.com under events. Then it'll have the Marathon of Sport for Winnipeg. The next option is for corporate teams. So we have Bison Transport and 24-7 Touch as our presenting sponsors this year. If this is something that your company is interested in, you're looking for a team building exercise, Motion Ball is a really unique day and way to do that. So you can again send, go to our website or you can send us an email. It's winnipeg at motionball.com. That's M-O-T 
I-O-N-B-A-L-L.com. And then we also have the athletes. So we want to have as many Special Olympic athletes out there as possible. If that's something of interest or you know an athlete who would like to join, they can email Kathleen Mason from Special Olympics Manitoba. Her email address is K-M-A-S-O-N at specialolympics.mv.ca. And we're always looking for volunteers. If you aren't able to play, maybe you're injured or you're not feeling quite up for it, we need people to help with the setup, takedown, food stations, sports refereeing, and everything. So there's many ways to become involved. And so if any of our listeners are interested, more information is on the website, I believe at motionball.com. And then you just find the, uh, you find Winnipeg under the cities, the locations there. That's exactly it. Right under the events, they'll have all the cities broken down. And you can also always look at our Instagram, which is motionballwpg for many event information and different facts as well. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or add before we sign off for today? Absolutely. I just wanted to talk about where the funds that are raised go. So what makes us unique is we want to keep 70% of all funds raised in the province in which they were raised. So that'll go towards the 1800 Special Olympic athletes here in Manitoba. Then 25% go and are staying with the Special Olympics Canada Foundation. These go towards long-term funding of athlete and volunteer recruitment. And then 5% is directed towards our No Good Way campaign. This aims to end the use of the R word in everyday language. And this was initiated in 2014. If you would like to learn more about that, you can go to our website under About Us. There will be a link for No Good Way where you're welcome to take the pledge to stop the use of the R word. Great. So the money raised goes to some fantastic causes. Again, that's the Motion Ball Marathon of Sport, which is taking place September 15th. And registrations are open for teams or for volunteers. So you can visit motionball.com to learn more. Whitney Boiteau is the Director of Marketing and Media for Motion Ball Winnipeg. Whitney, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Up next, the Because Radio Road Trip is taking a drive past the Perimeter Highway, heading an hour and a half southwest to Winkler, where producer Jeremy Morantz visited the Winkler Heritage Museum to learn about its variety of exhibits showcasing the history of Winkler and the surrounding area. Welcome to the Because Radio Road Trip. Today we visited the Winkler Heritage Museum. Let's go. I'm here with Dora Hildebrand, the museum curator at the Winkler Heritage Museum. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dora. Oh, thanks. It was good of you to come. So before we uh, dive into it, why don't we start off with what is the history of Winkler? This museum is all about Winkler's history. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Winkler's historic past? Well, we celebrated uh, 100 years in 2006. So we've been around for a long time. And this was uh, one of the early settlements in the area, although Morden and Plum Coulee were really ahead of us, but because the train came through here. It was the railway that really marked Winkler. They had uh, 
um, plan first to have the, the main area in a village close by, but the train didn't go through that village, so we, uh, we are here in Winkler. As the uh, museum curator, in, in your own words, why don't you tell us why you believe it's important to preserve and um, and display? Of course, we're surrounded right now by uh, all these various historical artifacts. Why is it important um, to, to preserve Winkler's history? Well, I think it's important, I guess, one reason is because I like stuff like that. I like stories. I like history. And to get the connections with, with people and how you're related. And so uh, the thing is to keep you can't trust your memory. And, and anyway, if you pass it on, that's very good. But it, you need it on paper. You need the pictures. You need um, that background, the background stories. As I mentioned, the walls are lined with artifacts. There are displays all over. Um, so much history uh, around us right now. What are some items here that you personally are particularly excited about having? Well, we're happy to have the articles there from Dr. Weeb. Uh, a doctor here in Winkler for many, many years. In fact, he was one of the first ones. And we have some of his furniture here. We have his chair that he had in the office. It was picked up by someone in a in a antique store or a secondhand store, and they bought it and they they put the new leather on it, and it looks really nice. We have that filing cabinet that was Doctor Weeb's. He had it in his office, and. Uh, uh, the lady that was his secretary told me one time that the top two drawers were so private, she didn't even look into them. <laughs> so that was kind of cute. And uh, we have the, the scale over there to weigh the babies, the newborn babies that came out of the Winkler Hospital. Someone rescued it when, before they demolished the building. And Dr. Weeb's uh, doctor bag, the black bag you see over there, uh, he'd given it to his granddaughter when she graduated from nurses training in California and then later on when we got the museum she said really it belongs to Winkler so she sent it to us so it's ours now that was his first uh, his last doctor's bag you mentioned there's a this dress over here before we uh, turn the mics on it's a beautiful lacy wedding gown of Mrs. J.R. Walcuff they got married in 1909 and uh, he was a, a teacher here in Winkler, a high school principal back in the 30s. And uh, she was very, very uh, instrumental in helping along with, with his job and, and as a community person. And um, she did a quilt. She did two quilts with the kids' names on there and the teachers' names that were in the Winkler High School in 1937. I noticed a, a plaque there on the wall that said uh, Regional Tourism Award in 2011 for Museum Innovation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what that innovation was? Well, that's when we started. Uh, and we, we just uh, got going in August of 2011. And um, I don't know, by fall, they seemed to think we had really progressed quite well. And we were we were here, and we were in the mall. We were to stay. And uh, they did appreciate that, so they gave us that award. That's great that uh, this museum has been recognized in that way. Uh, there's a, a lovely project that uh, the Winkler Heritage Society, uh, in partnership with you here at the museum, are working on called uh, Stones and Stories. I'm curious to learn about it, so why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about that project? Stones and Stories started in about um, 2010, and this was something that Arnie Newfield, who was uh, our first chair, 
felt very important, and, and it really talks about our cemeteries, the Winkler cemeteries. And he took pictures of the stones, and he had pictures from the families of the person who passed away, and their obituary, which is really their life story. And we put it together in folders, and we have a set here in the museum, and there's another set exactly like it in the archives. So there's two places where you can see them, and they're alphabetically in there, and, and uh, you can probably find some of your relatives. And this is, again, preserving the past, the stories of the past. And that, that's something interesting that you don't see many organizations like yourself uh, taking on a project like that. I think that's very interesting. There, I'm looking at there's binders and binders of them. So surely you must <laughs> know someone in there, whether it's a relative or a, an old family friend. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Manitoba Heritage Trust program. Of course, you're a part of that program here at the Winkler Heritage Museum. What does that program uh, mean to you, and what has it helped you do here? Well, we just started into it, and I guess it takes time to, to accumulate this money. And we did get some from the Winkler Foundation just this, this spring, and that was for that fund. We've had some others that have donated money into it. And then in time, it will really help us because we will be able to get the interest from that money and use that. Uh, a lot of the money that we need really goes for rent and for uh, the salary of our part-time worker. And we need those two things, we, uh, or we just couldn't exist. And yet there are so few grants that will give you money for that. So this endowment fund could probably help us a long way there, too. And I know... Uh you're, you're growing here. You were previously in a smaller space and had to upgrade to a, a much larger space. What has that transition been like? Well, once we got over and settled here, <laughs> over the initial move, uh, we, we enjoyed here. We enjoyed in the mall, really. And uh, uh, we do get uh, a number of people. We get a couple of thousand a year that come through. That is, that is fine. It's good. We've got the parking space. We don't have to worry about about the lawns, cut the grass, and the snow removal, and the washrooms are here. So all that is here for us, which is very good. Uh, lastly, if, if listeners out there would like to learn more, what would you tell them to do? Well, they can get onto our website. It's, uh, we, we, are, we are on it now, but it's going to be revamped, and it'll be new, it'll be, uh, and we're going to put on a lot of new stuff. So in a very short time, it should really be working well. And that website is winklerheritagesociety.ca. Dora, thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, well, it was a pleasure having you. Signing off from the Winkler Heritage Museum that's in Southland Mall in Winkler, Manitoba. Thanks for joining us on the Because Radio Road Trip. We'll see you next week, same time, different place. Thanks, Jeremy. Up next, Sunny Primolo has been highlighting impact makers in our community as part of our Winnipeg Impact Makers segment, and this week we'll learn about how Fit Communications is helping to empower girls through sport. Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sunny Primolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Andrea Cates and Allison Gervais, founders of Fit Communications, a Winnipeg-based marketing organization that focuses on marketing and communications for products and services to women and girls. Thanks for coming on Because Radio. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. 
To get started, can you give us a quick rundown of Fit Communications? Sure. So we started Fit Communications about six years ago, um, and we both come from a marketing and PR background. So what we really wanted to do is um, do what we were doing for other people, but um, get it into the niche area of sport, health, and fitness. Um, and as we've sort of grown, we've really sort of expanded that reach into new markets and new areas, and always with a focus of trying to get um, girls and women to use those products, use those services, and the like. Why focus on women and girls specifically? We are women, obviously, um, and we find that uh, a lot of the retailers especially are looking to expand, and especially with gyms and any sort of shopping that people are doing, uh, usually it's the women that are making these decisions. Um, and I don't think that a lot of people know how to speak to women or speak to how women want to be spoken to or talked to. So we are trying to do that and come across as a way that they're going to understand and be respectful and sell whatever we're selling. So you have degrees in psychology and sociology. How has that helped fit communication stand out? I would say that um, twofold. I think for, for one, if you're trying to attract women, like Allison said, like it's very important to have women and that know-how and just that knowledge. But I think the psychology and sociology piece has really um, taught us about people. So it's people in the psychology perspective as to like what sort of makes people tick, why people do what they do. And then the sociology side of things is why society does things um, and why they do what they do. So that's super helpful when talking about marketing communications. Um, so if somebody's wanting to purchase um, a service or a product, we want to know why they're, why they're doing it, what motivates them to use one thing versus another. And I think that psychology and sociology background really helps us understand people, which therefore helps us in the marketing world. What is one way you would uh, market towards women differently than, you know, just the general public? I think women, um, they need to know, well, first of all, they, I think they respect other people's opinions. And I, I know for sure when women go online, they want to do their research when buying something, for sure. Um, and they want to see people's feedback on it. And they also don't want to be pigeonholed into one stereotype as well, right? So not every woman is a working woman, not every woman is a stay-at-home mom. So I think talking to a variety of different women and knowing that everyone is coming from a different place, but we all are super busy, educated, and smart and make good decisions. And I think just appealing to that is what women want to see. Not only do you provide communication services, you also have a cool initiative called Fit Girls. What is that? So we started um, Fit Women and Girls about four years ago and with that really what it is is we're trying to get Canadian girls um, sort of under the age of 18 um, more involved in sport and just overall happier and healthier so we do a variety of things with that so we put on events uh, we do workshops we uh, create tools for parents and teachers we do speaking initiatives um, so lots of different things that sort of come into that um, realm, but all really with the intention of having girls in Canada happier and healthier. Why do this? What's your fit behind uh, sports and all that? Well, I was an international synchronized swimmer, and my sister Andrea was um, in martial arts and was a Western Canadian champion, so we were both elite athletes. And for us, what we gain from sport is 
is invaluable. And I think anyone that has an opportunity to participate in sports is going to gain uh, so many life skills from that, that it's immeasurable. So for us, I think getting more girls to experience that is super important, especially considering girls are six times more likely to drop out of sports by the age of 14 than our boys. So they're dropping out and we wanted to maybe highlight some different things and reasons why and how we can get girls more involved. Have you heard of any stories from like the parents or any of the girls themselves about their experience through these events? Absolutely. You know what? We honestly, we have only had positive feedback from the parents and the kids. So um, typically the events that we do are for girls ages 5 to 15 and the parents just really love them. It's a chance for them to try new things. So maybe something that they wouldn't have thought about putting their, their child into like kickboxing or speed skating. Um, or synchronized swimming. Um, so that's something that is, is always really positive feedback from both the kids and the parents. Um, and the workshops that we do, um, which are in the schools, are a little bit older. So that's more high school grades 10, 11, and 12. Um, and they bring us back all the time. The kids love doing the sports and love having the talks with us about confidence and why sports are important and why, um, you know, making your health um an important part of your life early is so important. So, um, yeah, we, we always have really positive feedback on all those types of things that we do. Tell me about your workshops and why you thought it was important to provide them. Well, like Andrea said, just trying to expose girls to different activities that they may not have thought of, right? So um, I have two young girls, and when I, I mean, I have more experience in different sports, so I knew about all the different sports that were out there um, through Sport Manitoba and that. But um, a lot of people wouldn't even consider something like boxing or fencing or badminton or, you know, all of these different things that girls have access to. So we wanted to um, do it twofold. We wanted to introduce them to all different sorts of sports. And then we also wanted to provide another piece of it as well as far as the, the confidence boosting. Um, we have like the girls that we've seen, some are super confident, but as they get older, they tend to lose their confidence for whatever reason. So we wanted to be able to provide them these tools at, starting at age five that doesn't matter whether or not they're in a household that's supporting their confidence. These are things that they can do on their own to help build their confidence. What is your because? What is the end goal with all of this? That's a great question. I think the big like the big dream would be to have sport participation um, for girls in Winnipeg specifically, but across Canada to increase. Um, but I think because of that or like Therefore, after that would be their confidence increasing. So sport does build self-confidence and we know that for sure. So I think really to have like just an overall happier, more confident generation of girls um, coming up into adulthood would be our, our big goal overall. For any parents, grandparents, aunts or uncles looking to get their young ones involved, is there any upcoming Fit Girls events coming up that they should know about? Well, actually, online we have uh, at fitcommunications.ca, we have a Fit Girls directory and something called What's Happening Now. And so under our Fit Girls directory, we have about 30 different sports and businesses that offer different programs, specifically focused on girls. So they are welcoming, they understand the way girls need to be coached different than boys. Um, so there's about 30 different sports and things that they can try there. There's ongoing programs throughout the year. And then for the What's Happening Now are things uh, like sports camps and things like that coming up. Uh, we are planning to partner, we did an event last year with uh, Manitoba Moose, so we're going to do an event like that probably in the fall, but that's not till the fall. So in the meantime, the Fit Girls directory is an awesome resource. 
for those interested in your services and are looking to reach out to you, how can they do that? You can find us online at fitcommunications.ca um, and our phone number and email is all on there. So that's probably the best way to get started. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think one thing that we are doing right now that's coming up that's not really a part of um, our normal fit directory type of thing and fit girls is um, we're putting on a three-part series for newcomers to Canada for girls. Um, and I think our ages are probably between 10 and 15 for that. And so what the reason why a lot of the girls don't have access, they don't have access to getting into any of these programs is transportation and cost. So we were supported by playing for a purpose for this as well. And we're going to be putting on a three-part series for these newcomers to Canada for them to experience uh, six different sports and activities for free. So they can come out and be able to do synchronized swimming and kickboxing and uh, hip-hop class, like some things that they never would have even tried, and yoga. So um, it'll be great for them to sort of build a community around sports a little bit and to provide them sort of a brand new experience with all of these things. Thanks to Allison and Andrea for sharing their story of impact. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, message us on social media by searching the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN or reach out and call us at 204-944-9474 extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474 extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Promolo and you're listening to Because Radio. Thanks, Sunny. Coming up next, Nolan Bicknell will join us to share a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect with Lynn Scramita, who is the executive director of Folkfest. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Nolan Bicknell. He is the host of Because and Effect, a podcast with new episodes every Tuesday. Nolan, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be back, sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Life's good, man. It's, summer's in full swing, and it's it's good to be alive. Well, one of the best things about summer in Winnipeg and in Manitoba is that it is most certainly festival season. Oh, yeah. So many great festivals and different events outside to uh, to visit. And of course, one of the top festivals here in the province is the Winnipeg Folk Festival, which is happening next week. A perfect time for us, I think, to learn a little bit more about the history of the festival, and you had a chance to do so by speaking with Lynn Scramita of the Winnipeg Folk Festival. So tell us a little bit about sure. uh, about your conversation. Yeah, Lynn was great. She's an amazing human being in general. Um, we talked about a lot of great stuff, about the festival, obviously, about her connection. She's been going for nearly 40 years, maybe over 40 years, so like four decades of the Winnipeg Folk Festival has sort of been intertwined into her life. Uh, she's been the executive director for nearly a decade, I think think seven or eight years and uh, we just kind of talked about everything we talked about music how long she's been going what the festival means to her and her family and it, what it means to the city what it means to Winnipeggers and that fact isn't lost online and she's very proud of that fact it just means so much to people and I'm so excited that I get to be a part of that I mean I you know at, at working at the organization we are stewards really right like we need to make sure that this thing is it's well taken care of and that it it lasts for a long time to come and to you know but again we re rely so heavily on the community so heavy heavily on our uh, volunteers that it's 
really important that uh, we all work on it together. But I am really excited that I get to have that as part of my uh, career. Now, for people who haven't been to the Winnipeg Folk Festival before, how would you describe it to people? I have had only started going maybe five years ago. It was the first time I had gone. I'm not from Winnipeg, obviously. But uh, I thought, you know, Folk Fest sounds a little bit, there's going to be folk music and people playing acoustic guitars and not much else. But it's kind of just an entire celebration of all music, all cultures, all art uh, and community, especially Lynn talked about community frequently. Um, but you know, I kind of had that stereotype of like a folk festival was going to be a little bit more slower, a little bit more kind of chill out and not that it isn't, but, uh, you know, folk music doesn't define the folk fest. And Lynn kind of talked about a little bit about that, that that folk genre isn't what folk fest is all about. Now, artistically, we have always tried to push the boundaries of what folk music actually is. So um, we take some liberties, you know, I mean, I think some of the real traditional folkies think we've swung too far in the other direction in in doing that. Yeah, Yeah. it is a bit of a debate. Um, But I think that we still have the opportunity to show people what traditional folk music is while showing them what new kinds of music are. Now, the Winnipeg Folk Festival has brought in some pretty big names, and I'd imagine Lynn has probably seen many, many shows in her life going to the festival. What were some highlights that she mentioned uh, over the years? Sure. I, of course, asked her what are some of her favorite shows, and I would imagine after 40 years of going there, it would be tough to pick an absolute favorite, but she mentioned a few. She talked about Katie Lang. I think that was back in 2011. She talked about one of her personal favorites, the Indigo Girls that uh, she used to love back in the 90s. Um, but one of the surprising ones, she said one of the best shows that Folk Fest has ever put on was the Bare Naked Ladies from uh, 2017. I loved what she had to say about it. We had the Bare Naked Ladies a couple of years ago, and I was like, yeah, that's great. Everybody remembers the Bare Naked Ladies, but the show that they put on and seeing the audience react to that was unbelievable you know and i and and they just they cared so much they wrote a rap about winnipeg even that they incorporated into one of their songs they sang the full big bang theory theme song and everything and it was just like i i was really caught off guard by that and really quite pleased you know to just to see that actually happen Mm -hmm. and you know the folk festival has such a uh, such a dedicated audience of people who book their time off for Mm -hmm. folk fest um and that's you know that's always their thing that they do every Mm -hmm. summer um and it seems like the festival has gotten you know has gotten bigger and bigger and and seen even greater audiences with each uh, with each passing year Mm -hmm. Does Lynn worry about Folk Fest getting too big at all? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. She said that's very, uh, it was a topical sort of thing to bring up because they are very aware that sort of the intimacy of Folk Fest is part of its charm and you can't get too big. Otherwise, it'll be, and some people, you know, right or wrong do already criticize for the festival getting sort of a little too big in their opinion but yeah lynn was just saying the audience experience is paramount and and they're they're really going to kind of try to control the growth beyond any sort of absurd number this is the first year we've actually said okay um we've got a number that we feel uh we're going to aim for this year because uh after it gets 
too much. Um, we start, uh, it starts taking its toll on the infrastructure, but it also starts taking its toll on the audience experience, uh, which is, which we want to make sure that we can maintain. We want everybody to be able to see the shows they want to see and be a part of that. So if there are too many people, then, uh, it takes away from that. And, and we don't ever yeah. want somebody leaving with a negative experience. Volunteers are truly the the driving force that make Folk Fest happen every year, and anyone who's been there has seen how much work that people put in. Um, Lynn mentioned the volunteers in the first clip that you shared with us today, but did she have anything else to share about volunteers and their contribution to the Folk Fest experience? Well, yeah, she agrees. Volunteers definitely make Folk Fest happen, and they're crucial. Uh, she actually made put it very interestingly shared sort of an interesting stat when it comes to how vital the volunteers are based just on the sheer size of of the sort of miniature little city that folk fest creates we have 58 different crews of volunteers right we have like 120 uh, volunteer coordinators and um and all of the different things they do i mean it's from running our traffic services to our performer services to uh safety and security um, making sure that uh, all of our garbage is taken care of properly, that it's separated into recycling and composting and, and, and true garbage because the environment's really important to us as well. It's, um, you know, so I, we really need these, these people to make this, this big city, which is what it turns into. It's, it turns into the third largest city in Manitoba. That's amazing to think that for that weekend... <laughs> There's the third largest city in Manitoba. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, before we get going today, what was one of your favorite takeaways from your conversation with Lynn? Well, she was delightful from start to finish. Honestly, the whole conversation, I think, was about 45 minutes or so. And we talked about everything, talked about music, where we find new music, talked about life and sort of the paths that we go on. And it was a really nice conversation. But when we were kind of talking about the sort of current state of things the current state of the world she talked about how folk fest kind of keeps her grounded and keeps her keeps her going when when we're surrounded by bad news all the time i really loved what she had to say when you think about all the negative stuff that we hear in the news it's really easy to get bogged down with with negativity and 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 get kind of bummed out about where the world is going but i think one of the things that's that keeps me um buoyant and keeps me positive and optimistic is knowing that the festival exists and the people that make the festival happen exist because there is goodness in humanity and it, it is exemplified at, uh, at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. I love that idea that, uh, you know, goodness in humanity is exemplified at Folk Fest. A really beautiful words and I think it really sums up what the festival's all about. I couldn't agree more. Very true. So, Nolan, if any of our listeners would like to catch the full conversation that you had with Lynn in advance of heading out to FolkFest next week, uh, how can people subscribe to the podcast or download the episode? Absolutely. You can go to becauseandeffect.org. Uh, that's because, A-N-D-E-F-F-E-C-T dot org. Uh, and you can download every episode. That Lynn's conversation was the 11th episode. So if you haven't heard any of them, you can bring them out to FolkFest and listen while you're, you know, laying in the sun someday because uh, they're really easy listens. It's a nice sort of casual conversational style. And uh, this week's episode with Lynn's Cremita was one of my favorites yet. Excellent. So again, becauseandeffect.org is the place to go for 
all the uh, all the wonderful conversations that you've had thus far and the ones that are yet to come. Nolan Bicknell is the host of Because and Effect, which uh, has new episodes released every Tuesday. It's a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. Nolan, thank you again so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Thanks, Nolan. That's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. If you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg Impact Makers, please give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360, or you can email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. And I'm Sonny Promolo. Thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend.